There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and thank you so much for tuning into episode 111 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, and on this one, I am here with your June 2022 rundown of the show, talking new music and music news of the month. We are here at the end of another one, and we're going to go through it all. You know, last uh, last month for May, I mean, I was just running around like crazy doing interviews and uh, that was such a big part, I feel like, of the May rundown was uh, talking about a lot of interviews that you hadn't heard yet, actually, that uh, you kind of heard here within this last month. And uh, it's funny, after that, I really, June June was pretty barren. I had some good interviews this month, but not a lot of them. You know, I, I did so many during uh, May that it just we were good. We were good for a while. I didn't I didn't need to go too crazy. I have a uh I actually have a few lined up this weekend before the end of June, but nothing that you'll hear for at least another week or so. But uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm starting to kind of look the problem. I guess the one problem that I didn't think about before though with it all is that, you know, May was hectic, so June wasn't because I took a break from uh, you know, doing doing tons and tons of interviews. I still did some. But uh, what will probably happen is July will probably be crazy again because I kind of slacked off during uh, June. So I'm I'm very much expecting to uh, have a pretty crazy July. And maybe that's not so bad either because I'm really like as excited as I am for summer shows. And I did see a few concerts this month and we'll get into those and everything. But uh, I am still saving for Alaska. If you listen to the show, you've probably heard me mention a few times that uh, I really, really want to go to Alaska. I'm turning 30 in November, and uh, Alaska's the last state I got to go to. I have uh, been to the 49 other ones, and uh, I got to hit this one, and I got to save some money to do it. I don't, uh, I'm definitely not, uh, I don't know, probably shouldn't go on a uh, Alaskan trip, but I really want to, so I need to budget and save my money because I'm sure it won't be cheap. But uh, I really, really want to do it. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of budgeting my money for uh, shows this summer. You know, I definitely still plan on going and seeing some next month here in July. But I'm, I'm like really kind of considering which ones I want to go to and uh, all that. Because that's the other thing. Being in uh, Jamestown here, the concerts, you got to drive to them. So, I mean, you know, I, I have to figure out is a show worth driving, you know, two and a half hours to Cleveland, almost three hours to Pittsburgh, you know, an hour and a half to Buffalo, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, which gets shows every now and then. I mean, that's the closest. That's like a 40 minute drive for me. And like one of the best, I love when bands play there and not enough bands do. So this is me uh, telling you, I mean, number one, you'd definitely come play Jamestown and uh, that would be amazing. But I mean, also if you can't play here, go play Erie. Cause it's a nice quick drive. That's the secret. You can get people from Jamestown to come see you in Erie because it's such a, it's really not a bad drive at all. We can go up see your show, still get home at a decent hour. You know, it's not the same as like Pittsburgh or Rochester or something like that where like, you know, you're getting home at like 3 a.m. and you have to be up at like 7 kind of a deal. So would love to see more shows there. But, yeah, I'm kind of figuring out who I'm going to go see next month. I know uh, Taking Back Sunday and Hot Rod Circuit are playing on July 10th up in Buffalo, and uh, I'm planning on that one. I, I do – I enjoy Taking Back Sunday, but I've seen them live tons and tons over the years. So the big one there is definitely Hot Rod Circuit. I've never seen them live. I saw Andy Jackson acoustic like six years ago. So uh, I definitely want to go see that. Who knows the next time Hot Rod Circuit is going to be playing, you know, in western New York. This is uh, – you know, you don't, you don't get tons and tons of chances to see them live. And uh, from video that I've seen, they still seem like they're really, really good live, like worth uh, – Worth going and seeing. So I'll probably be at that. Uh, I mean, Everclear and Fastball are playing around uh, the area quite a few places. I got to work a couple of them, but they're playing a few dates, so I can still uh, still go check those out. And, uh, yeah, what else? I mean, Pumpkin Drublick I might go to in Cleveland on uh, July 8th, but I was also uh, telling my buddy Dylan Flynn from Past the Base 
who uh, we had on back in May, uh, I would help him if he was going to that to sell shirts and everything. I think right now he's trying to figure out transportation and everything and getting from uh, Columbus to Cleveland. But if that happens, I'll probably go to Punk and Drublick, but I'll be selling T-shirts. Um, hopefully hopefully it's set up so I can like watch the bands while I'm selling T-shirts. But my, uh, my main concern while I'm there will be uh, selling past the base uh, merch, which, hey, if I do, I'll definitely let you know so you can come up and uh, say hello. I'll bring some uh, Power Chord Hour stickers. I got to say, I am so stoked. Um, we got Power Chord Hour t-shirts. I'm, I can't remember the exact day Grace brought those in. I think I talked about that on the May Rundown, but I've definitely talked about it on the show since we got them. But we're about out now. I have, I think, four at home and really... To be honest, two or three of those are pretty much called for. So I have like really have like one or two. And uh I mean they went they went so fast. I mean I think the shirts have always went at a pretty decent pace, but like she's gotten them she's gotten them made three times. And I definitely would say the first time she got them made in 2019, it still probably took a couple months to get rid of all of them. And then uh the second batch she got last year, uh those those I got rid of fairly faster um that one I think took maybe like a month maybe two months and uh this one took like weeks I mean she just she got them to me their end of May beginning of June and uh, they went really really fast we also just did a uh, WRFA Great American Picnic which is like a yearly fundraiser for uh, the radio station we do uh, the Power Court Hour on and uh, I had a few shirts that uh actually really I was gonna I was gonna hand out a bunch of shirts at it but uh, by the, I thought I had a bunch, and then I went and looked in the box the day of, and I had like seven or eight left. And again, a few of them were spoken for, so I'm like, well, I guess I'm bringing like four or five. But uh, did did give out some uh, Power Court Hour swag at that. But I mean, I am very happy that uh, people obviously want them, and they went very very fast. So I cannot uh, I cannot complain that the shirts are pretty much gone. Um, I mean, if you want, depending on uh, if we still have them or not, you know, if you want one of them. Uh, the big thing that I was doing was if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, doesn't matter where, wherever you listen to it, wherever you can subscribe and rate and review it, uh, send me a screenshot of that. Uh, you know, you can email me, powercordhour@gmail.com. You can hit me up on our social media, whatever. Just give me a screenshot of it, and uh, I'll send you a T-shirt. So, I mean, again, we got like one or two left. If you would like one of those, I would, uh, I would hit me up real fast. But uh, I would love to send you one of the few that are left, and I'll definitely throw in some of those uh, stickers and uh, guitar picks, which I really don't. I still have some, but I don't really promote them. I kind of, to be honest, I uh, I give them out to guests from time to time, and uh, I personally play them, to be honest. I play, uh, I can't wear my own radio show's t-shirt. Definitely, you will not see me playing a, uh, or yeah, wearing a Power Chord Hour t-shirt, but you will see me playing Power Chord Hour guitar picks. I do think that's, uh, I think that's okay. That's acceptable. I mean, that's like, you know, obviously guitarists in a band are going to play a pick you know, with their band logo or some shit on it, you know, you're not going to go play a pick from some other band, you know? So, uh, I, I feel the same way with, uh, me playing power chord hour picks, but I'll probably, I'll probably throw some of those in and stuff too, as a thank you for, uh, you know, rating and reviewing and subscribing and all that rad stuff. But, uh, I am very happy at how uh, fast those shirts went. So not a bad thing at all that, uh, you know, that they're gone so shout out grace that was uh that was also just very rad of her i mean to to get those made for no reason besides just being a fan of the show like and she got a lot of them made too like every time she gets them made there's i don't i don't know that i've ever counted but i want to say there has to be like 40 or 50 i want to say there's like 40 or 50 shirts in those things so uh very cool for uh every you know big thank you to her and also a big thank you to everyone who has uh you know reviewed and subscribed and all that for a t-shirt and uh and just everyone hitting me up for them uh very much appreciate uh everyone wanting them and getting to send them out and everything so that is very cool that was something neat happened this uh, month i don't know what i feel like june just went by so fast even though i really wasn't doing interviews I uh, I got a few in, but yeah, not tons. I did for Arts on Fire. Uh, I did get to talk to George Porter Jr. of The Meters. And Arts on Fire is a show, another radio show I do on WRFA. And uh, George Porter Jr., if you've never heard of The Meters, they're like considered one of the very first funk bands. Like going going all the way back with James Brown and uh, Funkadelic and everything. They're, they're up there as like originators of the genre and uh they're from new orleans and just i mean number one amazing amazing band but i mean also again like 
godfathers of a, of a genre, really, which is just amazing. And again, talk to George Porter Jr., their bass player, which me, I mean, I'm, I'm a bass player through and through. I play guitar, but I'm, I'm shitty at guitar. I mean, I don't think I'm the world's greatest bass player, but I'm definitely, I can at least get around a bass neck. I, uh, you know, guitar, I'm pretty much power chords and octaves and shit like that. You're not really going to catch me playing much lead, but uh, with bass, I, I'm a little more confident in my uh, chops. But uh, getting to talk to, I mean, technically one of the very first funk bass players, which funk music has the best bass playing that there is. Like, if you're a bass player, there's really not another genre that's more fun, I would I would argue. I mean, just the rhythm section, I would say, in funk. Because, I mean, drums, too. Drums, drums and bass are just such a, like... You know, it's such a uh, driving force of that, of just funk music. And it's like, it's so... It's not that guitar and stuff takes a back seat, but I do feel like almost everything else kind of differently, right? I think there's a lot of genres where, you know, drum and bass might stick it, you know, they might stay in the pocket, kind of stick to one thing, kind of let guitar and shit kind of do a little more. But, you know, it's not, it's definitely not that way with, uh, you know, at least with good funk music. And again, to get to talk to someone who like laid down what we, you know, really the blueprints to what funk bass is. And uh, he was great to talk to. He was so much fun. I got to talk to him for like an hour. And, uh, you know, we, we got really heavy on the bass. I mean, we talked a lot about like just his rig throughout the years, what he, you know, different stuff he's played, uh, what he thinks makes a good bass player, what he thinks makes a good drummer. And, uh, and he said consistency. I'm like, what do you, uh, oh, so funny. I'm like, what do you, like, what do you think makes a good drummer? What do you, when you're on stage, you're playing bass, you're trying to lock in with them. Like, you know, you're really trying to make something happen, really get that groove going. Like, what do you want? And he's just like consistency. Like, that's what I wanted drummer just consistency like like whatever tempo you're keeping please keep it like don't don't change it up you know stay uh stay tight in that way but uh he was just so much fun to talk to it was it was a total honor you know he was one of those he's just one of those people where I think of like uh who I've gotten to interview and uh you know he's up there as one where I'm like wow that's pretty cool like that is uh it's pretty neat to get to put him in my uh, roster and uh, he's playing Jamestown actually speaking of shows we go into he's playing Jamestown here down the uh, street from WRFA on July 21st I believe it is and uh I am I'm excited for that I will definitely be at that show that's going to be a, a really good really good show the, the meters the meters are uh you know long broken up but he still uh does a bunch of stuff with his band George uh, Porter Jr and the Running Partners and uh plays with a bunch of different people uh, just really, just really amazing, amazing guy. And uh, like he's playing Red Rocks later this summer. I mean, just an amazing, one of the coolest venues in the world. And just, you know, getting to talk about, you know, it's like he, he's played it before. Like this ain't, this ain't his first rodeo. And uh, yeah, he was just, like I love talking to musicians like that who who have been around for that long and are like, for one, two, they're, they're also someone you can talk to. Like he was more than willing to talk bass and music and like wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, fuck off, kid. Like, I don't want to talk, you know, bass for an hour and stuff. Like, very, very cool. Answered every question I had, you know, indulged on the instrument with me. Like, just, you know, really got into things. And I really, uh, you know, I appreciate that with anyone I'm interviewing. But when you have someone like that who, you know, you look at and go, like, my God. Like, you know, you are you are very important to, uh, you know, to funk music. Like, that's pretty rad. Like, you're very important to a genre as a whole. And uh, to get to talk to you, you know, to get and to get to talk to you for that long was uh, really really cool. If you want to listen to that too, you know, it's not on the Power Chord Hour uh, podcast feed, but uh, it is up on the WRFA website. If you go to wrfalp.com, uh, there's like a little audio on demand. You'll you'll find it if you look around. Uh, you can probably even search like Arts on Fire, George Poodle. George Porter Jr. or uh you know just like something like that on the website and you will probably you will probably end up at it but uh yeah if you look on there I'm sure you will find it and a really fun interview also on our SoundCloud page that might that might even be easier if you just go to SoundCloud search WRFA and uh there's tons of bunch of interviews I've done I've been the host of Arts on Fire since March so uh there's tons and tons of interviews on there from me talking to a bunch of different people I mean far uh far from just musicians but even with musicians like a lot of like i've talked to like blues artists country artists like you know people people far out of my realm like you know you 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 know the kind of people i talk to on the power court hour you probably have a good gauge on what my taste in music is like but uh it's fun to talk to people outside of just you know like punk rock and alternative music because i think what you end up finding too is even if like 
you guys aren't like you know on the same page like musically on like your tastes and stuff you will still get really excited just talking to another musician who's just genuinely excited about music you know what i mean like it doesn't matter what music you're playing we can just connect in this way of you know like isn't it great? Like, doesn't it feel great to create your own music? Doesn't just hearing music you love from other people, isn't that great? Like, you know what I mean? Like you start finding those common grounds, no matter what kind of music you play. And it's just like, it's fun to talk to musicians, you know, and, and far out of that, you know, last month, you need to talk to like Colin Mockery of uh, whose line is it anyway, along with, uh, he does hip hop with, uh, I talked about this, I'm sure last month, but with Asad Meki, who's a, a master hypnotist. And it's like, I've never interviewed someone who was a hypnotist before, you know, and uh, I have interviewed a few people who do, do like improv, but definitely not like, you know, arguably one of the most famous, uh, I would say improv artists of all time, you know, for sure. And, uh, actually, you know, going off that, and it, and it wasn't a power court hour episode though. I would love to have them on together, but, uh, actually I will take credit though, for getting this to happen. I will, I will go ahead and, uh, right here, right now, tell you that if you enjoy this episode, I'm 100% the reason that it happened. <laughs> but, uh, I, I had the idea, uh, a while back when I was interviewing, uh, John Jughead Pearson, still one of the best interviews of the year and one of my favorites of all time on the show. But, um, you know, listening to even in blackouts and the acoustic punk and everything and going like, and also just, you know, with, with John being an improv and theater and everything and going like, you know, I think he probably likes the violent femmes. Like I didn't know for sure before talking to him, but I had a, I had a feeling he did like, and there's not a lot online. I think I even looked up like, you know, screeching weasel, violent femmes or like, you know, John Jughead Pearson, violent femmes, just different things. Cause I'm like, I feel like that's an influence on him. And I really couldn't find much, but come to find out and not too surprisingly, uh, they're one of John's favorites. And, uh, I've had, you know, I've had John on the show earlier this year and then I've had Victor DiLorenzo of the violent femmes. He's been on twice. He was on earlier this year with, uh, Janet Schiff, his bandmate from uh, 1913. And he was on last September and, uh, he's another John and Victor, both of them are like up there in like my favorite, uh, guests of all time. They're, they're up there as some of the nicest people. I mean, talk again, like going with George Porter Jr. And you talk about legends and uh, and also of genres. I mean, you know, Violent Femmes basically create acoustic punk, like folk punk, acoustic punk, all of that. Like like any kind of punk rock that has like acoustic guitar in it or kind of those like quirky lyrics and like quirky vocals and stuff, like all Violent Femmes. Like 100% you have the Violent Femmes for that. You know, it, it, there, it really didn't exist before them. It just, it did not. And uh, same with Screeching Weasel. I mean, as far as pop punk goes, I mean, that band really did lay down a, a blueprint for, you know, just punk rock of the 90s and beyond, you know, and really did help define that lookout sound. But I mean, anyway, just both of those guys being in, you know, just amazing, legendary, seminal bands and uh, both of them being in punk rock, but also like actors and do improv and theater and just, you know, are, are more than just your traditional, yeah, I'm a punk musician and that's all I do. Like, you know, they do so much more than that of all this range and, you know, I brought it up to uh, John when I was interviewing him, but I'm like, you know, I think I asked him in the interview about, and you can listen because you can hear it in the interview, and I think I asked him if he likes Violent Femmes or something, and uh, I think afterwards it was. I don't think I said it in the interview, but I did say after. It's like, oh, you know, like if you're a fan, I could probably get you and Victor, you know, hooked up. I would love to hear that interview, and uh, lo and behold, they did it, and it just came out the other day on uh, John's podcast, Jughead's Basement, and uh, it, it is him interviewing Victor DiLorenzo of the Violent Femmes and uh, such a good interview for all the reasons that I thought it would. I thought those two would mesh amazingly. Like, they're, they are two people who, and I can't believe I, I can say it, but, like, have spent multiple hours on the phone, you know, talking and interviewing to both of them. And, you know, I just realized, I was like, you know, these two are going to mesh really well, like, pretty pretty uh, soon into talking to John, because at that point I've already interviewed uh, Victor twice and knew him, you know, decently. I'm not going to say he's, like, my best friend, but, again, I, I've uh, talked to him and, like, interviewed him for probably a collectively you know four hours or something but um yeah it came out really well and I knew it would because they just those two mesh really well they had a lot of commonalities I think they also knew some people you know what I mean some overlap where like they knew or at least knew of the same people including like acting and stuff like that Joe's got to think I mean you know John from Chicago and uh, Victor from uh, Milwaukee you know they're not terribly far away 
And, uh, yeah, it was a really, really good interview. You should go listen to that on Jughead's Basement. And also shout out to him because he did. John gave me a shout out on his podcast. And, he, I mean, he's done it before, but it doesn't matter how many times you hear it. When, you know, when someone you look up to like that musically, like, gives you a shout out, says, like, thanks, Anthony Merchant from the Power Court Hour or whatever he said, like, it's just fucking cool. You know what I mean? There's no way around it. It's just fucking cool. So go check that out. If you've not listened to those interviews too, go listen to my interview with uh, John Jughead Pearson from back in March. And then uh, we got two with Victor DiLorenzo, one back in January with him and Janet Schiff, and then one back in uh, September. And uh, both of them just, I mean, absolute legends, really fun to talk to. And it was cool to hear them talk to each other. That was, uh, that was very rad. And I got to say Jughead's basement, one of the best podcasts out there. Like John legitimately knows how to interview someone. Like I true, that's one of the biggest downfalls. Like, listen, I've tried listening to fat Mike's fat Mike or yeah. Yeah. That's the name of it. Fat Mike's podcast. It's not like, it's fun for a couple minutes. Cause it's like, Oh, it's fat Mike. But like, it just doesn't, when you get to the actual interview and stuff like that, it's it's not good. Like, if it was just a solo podcast from Fat Mike, like, and actually, to his credit, I don't think everyone can just do a solo podcast and it sound good. I don't know that these sound good when I go solo, so I'm not saying mine are good either, but I actually think Fat Mike is interesting enough where he could probably get away with doing a solo one, maybe even having, like, a co-host, but, like, I don't know, as far as interviews and stuff go, just not great. You know what I mean? Not very good at it. And I think a lot of, like, bands and artists and shit will, like, start a podcast, and they're just really fucking bad at hosting them. Like, they can't do it, and they can't interview and stuff like that. But with John, like, he is naturally good at it. Like, he is truly good, and not just good for, like, oh, you know, he's better than than most. It's like he is legitimately a good interviewer. Like, even if I didn't know who he was, I'd go, this guy's really good at, uh, you know, talking to his guests and everything. But, uh, yeah, Jughead's Basement, really, really good podcast. If you've never listened to that, you should definitely uh, go listen to that as well. And I, I, he doesn't really need my plug. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot more people are listening to Jughead's Basement than the Power Chord Hour podcast. I, uh, I never played guitar in a Screeching Weasel, believe it or not. So I'm going to say he probably has more listeners. But uh, always a uh, great time talking to him. I, I had to let him know, too, the other day. I shot him an email. I was like, that was a great episode. Like, that was uh, – it was fun to listen to them. And again, for I, I just knew they would sound good. Like I knew or not sound good. I just knew they would work well together. Like they just have I don't know. I feel like they have like similar personalities. And uh, and also it was cool too, because like John interviews a lot of people who I mean, he obviously already knows. Like, you know, that that dude knows a lot of people in the industry and he interviews a lot of his peers and stuff like that. And a lot of times I feel like it's the guest who's more starstruck talking to John. You know, it's someone who like grew up listening to his music where John, I don't feel like is interviewing. I mean, I, I, there's a couple of them, but I don't think he's interviewing as many of like his musical heroes, you know, more than anything, people getting interviewed by him or getting interviewed by their musical heroes. But like you can, and he does a great job in the interview, but you can still tell he's genuinely a fan of, you know, the violent femmes and Victor's work. Like I also like hearing him from that standpoint. Cause that's not always how you, uh, you know, hear him with the guests. So I, I thought that was very cool. So you should go listen to that. Another one you should listen to, even though it's not out yet. So you can't, but, uh, my last, yeah, it'd be my last interview for the month here. Uh, tomorrow I'll be t- talking to Tim Rogner of, uh, Alistair, which uh, we had him on back in 2019 when I was uh, still living in Minneapolis was the last time I talked to him. And uh, and I think it was like, I think that interview was probably like maybe April or May. So like almost exactly like three years ago. Insane. But uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Last Stop Suburbia for its 20th anniversary. I mean, still one of the most, like when you think of early 2000s pop punk, I think that album is such a defining sound of like what that era, like if you went, what does a certain era sound like? What does early 2000s pop punk sound like? That record is like one of the best representations uh, like ever. And I mean, even more specifically, like somewhere on Fullerton, I mean, that song is just, again, like what, what does a pop punk song sound like in this era? There you go. Like that song has like all the, all the characteristics that, you know, made, made that uh, era so great. And uh, yeah, still one of the best from uh, Drive Through Records. I'm very lucky because I mean, I love I love Drive Through Records, you know, very much. I make no uh, secret of it. You know, I love those bands and everything. And we'll talk more about Drive Through later on in uh, music news. But like, I've gotten to talk to a few uh, Drive Through artists, and it's like honestly, 
some of the best ones. I think Alistair, like Alistair, as time goes on, they're one of the ones I go back to the most. And with Hidden in Plain View, you know, last week we had uh, Rob Freeman and Joe Rio on, and they're another one where it's like, and I don't even listen to a lot of like post-hardcore emo like these days. You know, there's a few bands, but like it's a much shorter list than it was maybe say 10 years ago. But Hidden in Plain View, I think like really they stand the test of time in that way where I look at when I listen back to like drive through bands, I think they've aged like I think they're one of the ones that have like aged the best. I really think that stuff is uh so good. But uh yeah, we'll be talking to Tim Rogner here and that'll be out in a couple weeks. And uh, I have a couple others in the uh, fire for like early July some interviews, but they're not uh 100% like confirmed set in stone. So, I'll keep my uh I'll keep my mouth shut on those. We'll wait we'll wait till uh we're closer to that. But uh yeah, I've been listening music-wise, listening to tons and tons of the new Joyce Manor record. They did not disappoint at all. It is a uh it is a nice mix, and I think I, I think I said this on an earlier episode when I played their first single off the record, Gotta Let It Go, but like I was hearing some people say it was like a return to form to their older stuff, and I was like, I didn't really hear it that way, but now that the record's out, I would say the album as a whole is like, I think in some ways it is, I think if you were a bigger fan of the older records versus the sound off the last two albums, I think there's maybe more here than there were on the last two, but I also don't feel like it's it's straight up you know, just a, uh, you know, we're trying to recreate like the self-titled record or anything like that. I mean, there's, there's maybe some spirit of the older stuff in there, but I, I, I think overall it's good. Cause it's not like a step backwards or anything like that. It's not a, well, people didn't really seem to like this sound. So let's just appease the fans kind of thing. It doesn't, it doesn't really seem like that. I mean, the album came out really well and I mean, so goddamn short, it is not a long album at all. So you can hear it a uh, very, very fast. And, uh, the new three LH record too. I, uh, I've been listening to that a ton. Those have been the two Joyce Manor and the, uh, I'm trying to remember what the hell it's called. Cause I can't tell you, I can't say the new three LH record and not let you know what it's called silver dream road. I am uh, I'm fucking terrible at remembering titles, but I will tell you that record fucking really, really good. And the guitar work on it. I mean, excellent. Very, very, everything about the uh, album's great, but the guitar work like stands out like they, uh, I believe there's two guitarists in the band and uh, they're just, they, it is such a good, really good sound, really good tone. I uh, I really like it. You gotta go listen to that uh, that album. That one came out like late last month, and uh, Joyce Manor came out like a week or two later. But uh, those have been my two big listens. Those are those are kind of like on there is you know, including as it's getting nice out or it is nice out now. And you know, I think of like summer records, what to put on when I'm like leaving the house. Uh, those those are definitely like the two go to ones right now. So I'm in I'm definitely enjoying those on uh on my little my little summer drives so that's kind of what i've been doing this month i feel like i feel like i've been busy but i don't know what i've been busy with like i'm not entirely sure what i've been staying busy doing i uh i did get to go like i mentioned earlier i did get to go to two shows though this month which was uh very very cool i uh, went and saw jeremy porter former guest of the show and uh i saw him up in buffalo he's playing a free show up in uh i cannot remember the name it's like dunday or the silos at Dunday, or something, something of that, and uh, he was excellent. I and I gotta give him props. So it was a Tuco show, but their drummer, and I'm blanking on his name. If you go back and listen to our interview from a few weeks ago or a few months ago, um, you know we, we say the name of their drummer, but he uh, he was out, and they were on a little Western New York tour. And uh, they were down a drummer, which is a uh, fairly important thing. But uh, it was just him and their bass player, and they did amazing. They did a really, really good job together. And uh, and also, again, I feel like an ass. I cannot think of their bass player's name. He's a really, really good bass player. I mean, I already knew that just from listening to them, but uh, hearing them live and how much he was feeling out the sound with no drummer, just him and Jeremy up there was uh, amazing. I mean, they really, and I, I, I did, I'd get props to him afterwards because it's like, I know it wasn't an easy situation. It wasn't an ideal situation either, but uh, they made the most of it and I thought did a uh, excellent show. It was great to meet Jeremy afterwards too. I really, you know, I've done so many interviews and stuff on the show, but I I don't know how many people I've really met after doing the interviews because, you know, it's been COVID. So there really hasn't been a lot of concerts. You know, I mean, I've really done a, a good majority of my interviews, you know, from like 2020 and on. So like, you know, just starting to get back to going to shows 
and uh, it was great to great to meet him and talk to him and everything. And uh, he had nothing but nice things to say about our uh, episode. And he was a really fun one. That was a, a really fun episode again to do that. I think it was episode 101, which it's just crazy because it was like it was a long time ago. And it also wasn't a long time ago when I uh, when I think back to that one where I go, well, shit, I guess it was like back in I think we maybe did it like April. I want to say we recorded that in like April and then that may, you know, maybe came out late April, early uh, May. But uh, it was great to go see him. He put on a great show. And then, uh, funny enough, the other show I went to go see, well, I didn't see him play. I went with former guest of the show, uh, Joey Cobra. You know him, you love him. He's been on the show a ton. And uh, we went to go see the Flatliners, also in Buffalo. I saw both shows in Buffalo. And uh, that one I do know. That was not a new venue for me. We went and saw them at Mohawk Place. And goddamn, I have not seen a show at Mohawk Place since 2017. The last one I can remember was Mustard Plug. Unless I'm forgetting one, the last time I saw a show there... It was like spring or summer 2017 with a mustard plug and Jay Navarro and the Traders. And uh, it was a really good show, but that's the last show I saw there. And I, I also haven't seen a show in Buffalo since 2017. The last last show I think I saw there was also former guest of the show, uh, Jeff Cadill. And uh, again, you, you see what I'm saying here is uh, that show was also like a year or so before I ever interviewed him. So it wasn't like I knew him when uh, I went and saw him. So, you know, a lot of these people I like interview, but never, you know, at least not yet. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll eventually get around to seeing most of these people I interview live. But um, yeah, going, going there again to see a show for the first time in five years. And it's just crazy because, you know, really Buffalo is my stomping ground for years and years and years, like including in, in college and before that too, in high school and even in middle school and stuff like going to shows up in uh, Buffalo all the time, but really during college. Cause I, I was going to college an hour away from there and uh, just constantly, you know what I mean? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be weird to be up in Buffalo, you know, four or five times a month, uh, you know, not weird at all. And uh, then, then to realize you hadn't seen a show there in like five years is, uh, is pretty fucking crazy actually. But uh, I realized that, and uh, it was great to go back. The Flatliners, amazing, uh, you know, great seeing a show again at Mohawk Place. And it's been so long, too, since I've seen a show in, like, let alone Mohawk Place, but just a nice, sweaty dive bar like that. Like, the best places to see shows. You know, I haven't seen one at, like, the Grog Shop now going on. I saw one there in 2018, so it's been a little less long, but by a year. I mean, we're still, we're still inching closer and closer to that five-year mark. But, uh, you know, I haven't been to a show in a great venue like that in a while. And it was just so fun to go and uh, also just hang out with Joey. I mean, it is he is just one of those dudes where really, I mean, we've connected. We did connect through the show. Like, we didn't really know each other. We didn't know each other at all before uh, the radio show. I mean, I, I knew of his band Wake. But I had never met him or knew him personally. His uh, guitar player turned me on to Wake after they'd broken up and stuff. But uh, you know, we kind of met through the show and stuff. But just one of those one of those dudes who you know, even when we're not recording, you know, we may record a two hour episode, but we might also talk an additional two hours, you know, before and afterwards. And uh, it was just great talking to him on the way up there and everything, and uh, just bullshit and talking music and uh, going and seeing the Flatliners. They sounded amazing. I think that new uh, record. Uh, I believe is it called no I think the new song the new single is called performative hours I don't think that's the name of the album but I know the album artwork is really really tight it's uh it's some good artwork and I know it comes out next month and uh I'm sure we'll play something off of it once it does come out but uh yeah it was really good time seeing them good time seeing Jeremy Porter the week before and uh yeah now I'm kind of like figuring it out I may be going to see less than Jake Bowling for soup and the Aquabats in uh, Pittsburgh on July 1st. I'm not sure yet. I guess what my schedule is like. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to figure out, like, like uh, you know, July shows. But, again, I got to save money for Alaska. And I still got a lot of saving to do before September. So, I, uh, you know, I got to think out what shows I go to. But I'm definitely going to go to some. And uh, summer shows and then some new music. Let's get into some new music. I feel like there wasn't a ton this month, to be completely honest. At least on my radar, that doesn't mean there wasn't like a bunch of new music out. But as far as like what I was paying attention to, I didn't feel like there was a ton. But we do have some stuff. I mean, starting off, again, Joyce Manor, 40 Ounces to Fresno. That's going to be up there as uh, one of my favorite records of the year. I can already tell that's, uh, that is going to be on there. I, uh, I absolutely love that thing. Moving down the line of new releases, we got one from Jimmy Eat World. Brand new single called Something Loud. It coincides with their summer tour. 
Up next, we got one from Suicide Machines. It is a brand new single called Awake off their upcoming split with Coquettish, which will be out next month. We got a new one from Mikey Erg. He has put out so much new music this year, but he has a new one, Love at Leeds. We'll play something off that here in a minute. We got a new one from Beach Rats, who we talked about, I believe, either last month or the month before on the rundown. Features members of Lifetime, Bouncing Souls, and Minor Threat, a punk rock supergroup, if you will. They got a new single out called Blown to Bits. Rise Against have a new one out. It is Nowhere Generation 2. It is an EP. The Interrupters just put out a new single called Jailbird. Nerf Herder just put out a new single on Fat Records. It is called We All Got COVID Except for Linus. Now, I don't know if a new record is coming or not, but again, this just came out on Fat Records, so maybe they're back on Fat. I don't know. Uh, Third Eye Blind has a new one, Unplugged Acoustic, acoustic versions of a bunch of classic Third Eye Blind songs. We'll play something off that here in just a second. We got a new EP from The Story Changes. Shout out Mark McMillan, their singer who's been on the show. And uh, the new EP is called Fall Asleep and Turn to Dust. Really good. Definitely go check that out. Got a new single from Protagonist. It is called Iron Mine. It is off their upcoming split with Omnigon. Lit just put out a new record called Taste Like Gold, and we got a new band called Doki Doki featuring members of Grumpster, Get Married, and Dog Party. They are on Asian Man Records. They just put out their debut single called I Was Killing It Man. We'll play that right now, right here on the June 2022 rundown of the Power Chord Hour podcast. <laughs>
right here on the June 2022 rundown of the Power Court Hour podcast. That was Mikey Erg with the opener off his new record, Love It Leads. That song was Sick As Your Secrets. The new album is out now. It was recorded by Steve Albini, and you got Jeff Rosenstock playing guitar on that thing. And uh, before that, Third Eye Blind with their new acoustic version of Never Let You Go. That is off their new album, Unplugged Acoustic. They do a bunch of acoustic versions of classic Third Eye Blind songs. And uh, if you've never heard it, one of the first interviews I ever did was uh, for Stephen or was with Stephen Jenkins of Third Eye Blind when uh, back in 2017 when uh, their self titled debut turned, uh, oh man, 20. It turns 25 this year because that was five years ago. So yeah, it turned 20 and I got to interview him. And uh, just for like five minutes, it was just a real uh, short interview, but really cool to get to do that. And uh, I did put that up maybe a year or two ago. It's been up for a while, but uh, it is on the Power Court Hour podcast feed. So wherever you're listening to this, you can go listen to uh, that interview with Stephen Jenkins if you want to go check that out. And uh, opening up that block of music, a new one, the first song ever released from the new band Doki Doki. Uh, That one features members of Grumpster, Dog Party, and Get Married. And uh, that is their debut single. They'll have more coming out on Asian Man Records. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw that uh, even though Mike Park is not in the band, I think Mike Park might have actually written the songs. I uh, I believe that was posted. Uh, they they put it like when they did like the you know like Asian Man Records like whatever on their social media or one of them when they were like releasing it. I think uh, they said in the thing like Mike Park wrote the songs and uh, you know has kind of this nice little super group to uh, do the song. So very, very cool, good stuff, and uh, everyone involved is already in some great bands. So you bring them all together, you get even more good music. So I'm definitely all about it. All right, we got a uh, couple just little pieces of music news for you before uh, the end of this episode. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Drive Through Records, you know, obviously the uh, the original home for like Hidden in Plain View, who we just had on, and uh, Tim Rogner of Alistair, who we'll have on next week and everything. And just, I mean, talked ad nauseum about the label on here, you know, very important label to uh, me and a lot of my friends and our musical uh you know, influences and upbringing, and uh, to celebrate their 25th anniversary, you know, I I believe, I'm sure like many last year, they were probably going to celebrate and uh, then kind of held off until uh, after the pandemic, but uh, they are back and they are doing a bunch of vinyl represses, and uh, actually it looks like some maybe even pressed for the uh, first time to uh, celebrate the 26th anniversary for the label, and they're going to be releasing stuff from, I mean, Newfound Glory, they're going to be releasing stuff from the starting line, from Finch, they'll be releasing stuff from the early November, Steel Train, The Movie Life, Hello Goodbye, Houston Calls, Halifax, and uh, tons more. They put up a, a little 55-second teaser up on their uh, social media. And, uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to be celebrating with uh, – and I don't know, maybe there's more to come. I know they did just relaunch their uh, website not long ago. But uh, as of now, the big celebration for the uh, anniversary of the label are these vinyl presses. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know that I'll grab all of them. There was a time where – I definitely would have bought in anything they put out. Like, I mean, if they would have put these out maybe like 10 years ago, and I I get it, that was, you know, well, actually, they did put out like 10 years ago that starting line, the early years vinyl. But, uh, you know, I think that was kind of the beginning of vinyl getting big. And, uh, you know, since then, I think it's gotten much, much bigger. And, uh, you know, definitely, I and I don't know, to be honest, off the top of my head, what ones I would probably grab. But uh, I would definitely grab some uh, vinyl presses for sure. But, yeah, I mean, there was time I would have grabbed all of them. Now it's like, I mean, I will say, though, the Benjamins, the Art of Disappointment, and I don't think that is going to be on the list. But, like, if that got a vinyl pressing, and that would be the first time it got pressed, I would be all over that. I would definitely grab it. You'll never eat fast food again. You know, I don't think that will ever get a vinyl press. Welcome to the Family did, which is also a comp, but that also had the whole pizza box thing and everything which uh, I think was also one of the big reasons why that got a a press. But, you know, there's like, I don't know, there's a couple others. I mean, if I was getting obscure, like the Mother Manias and the Cousin Olivers, you know, the really early stuff, I would probably grab uh, maybe even like Alistair's Dead Dead Ends and Girlfriends, like some stuff like that. 
But, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people are going to be excited for those, uh, you know, vinyl presses. And, uh, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see how else they celebrate. I mean, I don't, I don't know that drive through is on the best, uh, you know, terms with all their bands. I don't, I don't think it's bad blood with everybody, but I don't know that like all things are good enough where like, we'll ever see like a drive through records, you know, reunion tour where like, you know, drive through records officially, you know, obviously, obviously you get those, uh, you know, you get them all, you know, there's definitely old drive through label mates that still tour together, but like, you know, a really like a full fledged, like five band tour, you know, with, you know, drive through putting it on and everything. I don't, I don't know that we'll ever see that happen, but, um, which, you know, is un which is unfortunate. I think that, uh, you know, that label is very important for a, uh, for a big, for a bunch of people and also an era of music, you know, I mean, really the, you know, fat records and epitaph really ruled the nineties, but I mean, by the early two thousands, I think it's drive through records. I mean, drive through really kind of was, was the label, you know what I mean? That really was the label once, uh, you know, the early two thousands hit and, uh, you know, just such a, I, I love that label. I, those bands are just amazing. Like all, all the stuff they put out was just so good. And, uh, yeah, you know, so we'll have to see, I'm sure I'll tell you if they uh, do any way, if they do anything else to like celebrate their uh, 26th anniversary, but, uh, yeah, those vinyl presses are coming out. So, you know, maybe keep an eye on those if vinyl is your thing. And, uh, I, I feel like for years, they're going to be putting out some stuff in there that, uh, I think people have been waiting for, for years. There have been people who have, who've wanted them on vinyl for a very, very long time. So I think there's going to be some people who, who are uh, pretty happy about all that. Here is some more very good music news. The Get Up Kids have announced a four-minute mile tour. It is for the 25th anniversary of the album, and they'll be playing it front to back in its entirety, along with the Woodson EP. They also have Sparta opening up for them on that tour. They'll be hitting the United States on uh, starting August 22nd in Dallas, going until September 29th in Philadelphia. And uh, some of the cities include San Francisco, Denver, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, New York City, Los Angeles, Austin, Texas, uh, Seattle, Salt Lake City, and more. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited for that one. It is going to be an amazing show. And uh, I'm definitely, they're hitting here a couple times because, I mean, Buffalo's the closest, but uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland also right up the road from me. So I have a, a couple chances to see them, and I will definitely be going to that. I mean, that is going to be an amazing show. The Get Up Kids are already great live. But uh, getting to hear that record front to back, along with Woodson, I mean, that is uh, that is going to be a really good show full of, uh, I mean, they play they play a good amount of Four Minute Mile songs, and I've, I, they definitely have played songs off Woodson when I've seen them, but there's going to be songs off both of those that I've definitely never heard live, and that uh, they probably don't play live a whole lot, you know, I mean, there's, there's certain ones they do. But there's definitely ones off that record where I don't I don't think they touch them all too often. So uh, that is going to be cool. I, I'm really looking forward to that tour. That is, you know, as I was talking about me budgeting tours and uh, getting everything around so I can still go to Alaska, that is going to be one, which actually they'll be here. You know what's so funny is I'm saying that they're going to be there in uh, September in Buffalo and Cleveland and Pittsburgh there's a good chance I'm in fucking Alaska. So I actually, maybe I don't see that tour and that's going to make me sad, but I also got to go see Alaska. So I don't know. These are, these are the dilemmas of my life, folks. I, uh, I'm sorry to uh, spread the drama, but that's what I'm dealing with right now. I'll have to uh, figure that out. And uh, one more piece of music news for you, then I'll let you go. Unwritten Law have announced a new record. It is called Hum, and it will be out next month on July 29th. The album features Scott Russo and Wade Eumann. I believe it is Wade's first uh, new full-length with them of like new songs since uh, he rejoined some years ago. I uh, I mean, I know they did like that acoustic record a while back, but this is going to be, uh, again, like the first, I think, one of like all new material. And uh, this is also their first new record of uh, new music in over a decade. So it has been a long time coming. I'm excited for it. Uh, Unwritten Law are one of those bands that I will every now and then kind of forget about. And then I'll get back into them and go like, shit, like they're really good at what they do. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I think Unwritten Law 
are really good at like fast skate punk, pop punk. And, uh, and I mean, obviously later on that, like alternative rock kind of, you know, two that they, they did with like on Elva and everything, but, uh, just a solid, you know, solid band with some really, really great records. And, uh, I'm excited to see what they do on this one. I don't know. They really haven't released any new singles. You know, again, it's been 10 years since the last record. So as far as expectations on what it's going to sound like and stuff, I don't know. I mean, with Wade back in the mix, maybe they'll go more towards like an older school sound. I mean, I know they, uh, you know, they, they did the tour for the uh, self-titled record maybe a year or so ago. Well, actually, no, at this point. You know what? I say that. I bet it was like 2019, 2020 they did that. Yeah, it was because I think that album came out in like 99 or 2000. But, um, you know, I, I feel like that's a record a lot. Of, like, honestly, and maybe they'll do something totally different. But, like, if I was to have hopes of what it would sound like, I would love something in the vein of self-titled where, you know, I, I think that's a really, that's a perfect meeting of, I think the band's early, like more fast skate punk stuff. And then the more kind of alt rock sound that they went to, you know, with like Elva and later releases, I, I think self-titled was really this kind of sweet spot of uh, what the band does best. So, I mean, you know, I would love to hear something like that, but you know, who knows, maybe we'll get something totally left field that uh, we wouldn't expect from Unwritten Law. You know, I'm excited to see either way. I always kind of, I just look forward to new stuff from them. It doesn't happen a whole lot, but you know, when they, uh, when they do, and then hopefully, hopefully there's a tour with that, you know, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll go tour. I feel like I've seen them a couple times live and I feel like they're a hit or miss band live. I, I feel like you either get a really, really good show or uh, you get a really, really interesting show. But, uh, you know, nothing nothing that deters me from, uh, you know, never seeing them again. I saw them a couple years, or again, it's it's with this couple years ago thing. I saw them six years ago. And, uh, yeah, six years ago when uh, they did their tour with them and uh, Phoenix TX. And uh, they were pretty good on that. And actually, after that, like a couple months later, they did a tour with uh, Pennywise, strung out and I forget who else was on that tour but uh, I saw them on that and they were excellent as well they you know honestly they might have been my favorite band that night actually and they were good on the Phoenix TX tour but they were exceptional on that uh, Pennywise tour they were really really good that night but uh, yeah I'm excited for new unwritten law I'm looking forward to that I am excited for that uh, get up kids uh, tour even though I may not even be in the lower 40. I will be in the United States, but I'll not be in the lower 48. And uh, also, yeah, looking forward to uh, that, uh, you know, those drive-through vinyl releases. Again, you know, I don't I don't see me, like, going insane and dropping hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a vinyl. But, you know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll go through, see what they release. And, you know, there's a record or two in there that I may, uh, have to grab for the collection. I definitely won't say that, uh, you know, I'm not going to buy any of them. Cause I think that would just be a, a damn dirty lie. And I don't want to lie to you fine people. So, uh, I won't do that, but that is going to be it. That is our June, 2022 rundown of the power court hour podcast. And, uh, yeah. So next week we should have Tim Rogner of Alistair, we uh, will be doing that interview here in the next day. So I guess unless uh, we got to reschedule or uh, everything just terribly falls through, we will uh, be having Tim on first time since 2019 next week, talking Last Stop Suburbia for its 20th anniversary or, uh, yeah, 20th anniversary. I had to think there for a second. Uh, we've been talking so many album anniversaries on this one. I had to, like, make sure I had the right one. But, yeah, Turning 20 came out in 2002, and uh, we'll be talking all about that. I'm very excited and uh yeah so i guess this is the time where i tell you to go follow us online we're at power cord hour on a twitter instagram and facebook if you go follow us there we are uh wherever you're listening to this please rate review and subscribe the to the podcast we really appreciate that it helps out a ton and uh, we got new radio shows for you every friday night eight to midnight on 107.9 wrfa in jamestown new york and uh, you can stream the station from anywhere at WRFALP.com. And uh, if you want to, actually, you can also go to that website if you want to hear that George Porter Jr. Uh, interview I did a few weeks ago on Arts on Fire. And uh, also I did one with uh, with Colin Mockery of Whose Line Is Anyways. That was a really fun one. 
that you might want to go listen to from a few weeks back. You can find those on WRFALP.com. And uh, I'm sure you can navigate the website. You will find all that there, how to stream the site and uh, listen to all the audio on demand. I'm sure you can do that. You figured out this podcast. You can figure that out. And uh, also, I do a weekly episode playlist on Spotify. If you want to go search for us there, we uh, I have a new playlist every week from what I play on the radio show. So if you can't tune into the radio show, but you still want to listen to what I'm playing, you can check it out there. Just search Power Chord Hour on uh, Spotify. And uh, yeah, hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com if uh, you want to talk music or whatever. Whatever you can hit me up there if you are a brand and you want to, uh, if you want to sponsor an episode or whatever, hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. Always looking for sponsors for the show, help, uh, you know, cover costs that uh, it does cost not a ton, but it does cost some money to do this podcast. So, you know, all, uh, all help is appreciated with that. So, uh, until next week for the Power Court Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.